My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, today we're selling a great, celebrating a great feast day at the Dormition of Anna, the Holy Mother of the Mother of our God. So we, we tried to give it as much solemnity to her as we could in our celebration. Uh, so we had beautiful music, unique music last night at Vespers. And this morning at Mountains, we had a very full mountain service. It could have been fuller, but the time was ticking by, so we had to kind of shorten it a little bit. And then, of course, we celebrate, continue with the Divine Liturgy. That's why we have two readings. The second reading for the Epistle and for the Gospel were for the Dormition of Holy Anna. And we're going to do this great festive experience again next Sunday, because next Sunday is August 1st. And what is August 1st? The procession of the cross. You all knew that. You were just being quiet. That's good. Good. So we're going to do the same thing. Only we're going to add a component and we're going to do another procession with the cross. So next Sunday, bring your crosses for the procession. And uh, we'll have the big cross here. Well, somewhere because Pantalaemon will still be out. Uh, and we'll go around and uh, we'll have Father Joel with us. And this time we're going to add when you come in. Uh, you'll come up here, and Father Joel and I will bless you and your crosses as you go back to your, to your place. So we're going to process for the procession of the Holy Cross. Just makes sense, doesn't it? Besides, that's what we do. We process and we celebrate the Divine Liturgy. That's, that's what we do. On these summer days, all this water and swimming, and have you ever been out in the ocean? And think you, you've got it handled, you're in the water, you're maybe knee-deep or something, and you just get smacked down by a wave. And you think you're upright, you just get your feet standing upright again, and you get smacked down again, how powerful the waves are. Now combine that with the winds, and you can imagine how hard it is to do anything. You can't get your bearings because the sand even underneath you keeps getting eroded away by the waves and the, and the movement of the water. In our gospel, our Old Testament readings last night, we heard a lot about water. It's one of these unique evenings that we got to hear an Old Testament reading from the wisdom literature of the Psalms. And soon as the Psalms started to be read, I found myself like my shoulders just dropped. Because I too live in a, a, a turbulent, you know, I have ups and downs, the waves hit me just as they hit you. And so to hear these words were so comforting. And I'm going to read just a portion of what we read last night from the first reading. And maybe you'll make a connection between what I'm going to read and what you heard today in the gospel. Those who go down to the ship in, sea in ships, laboring in many waters, behold the Lord works and his, wonders, and his wonders in the deep. He speaks, and the stormy wind arises, and its waves are lifted up. They reach to the heavens, then plunge to the depths. Their courage melted in their plight. They reeled, they staggered like drunken men, and all their skill was for naught. And they cried out to the Lord in their distress, and he brought them out of their trouble. And he commanded the storm, and it turned to a breeze, and its billows were stilled. And the people were glad because they were calmed, and he guided them to their desired haven. 
Talk about prefigurement and fulfillment. Five times. Five times. Five times God parted the water in the Old Testament. Five times God parted the waters in the Old Testament for man. The first is in creation, when he parted the waters. Those above the firmament from those below, and part of the waters, separating it so there could be land for man to stand on. The second time, you know well, the parting of the Red Sea for the Israelites. With the staff of Moses, the power of God, the waters parted, and the Israelites passed through as if dry land, on dry land, while the enemy pursued them. The third time, the third time was when Joshua took the Israelites into the promised land. They had to cross the Jordan. And God told Joshua, have the priests carry the ark. And when their soles of their feet touch the water of the Jordan, the water will dry up. And so they took the ark. And when they walked into the water and their soles touched their feet, the waters upstream stopped and turned back. And the waters downstream continued on and dried out, and they were able all to walk across while the ark remained in the hands of the priest who stood on the floor of the riverbed. The fourth time? The fourth time was when Elijah was being followed by the, the, the prophet guild. These prophets that weren't the prophets of God, but they, they made their living doing some kind of prophesying. And they were following Joshua as he was going to be taken up into the fiery chariot. Elisha was with him. And they come to the Jordan River and Joshua, uh, Elisha takes his mantle off. He rolls it up. He strikes the water. And the water parts. And they cross as if on dry land. Elijah is taken up. His mantle is left behind, which means Elijah got a double, I mean, Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's spirit. The fifth time, Elisha's walking back, and now the prophet guild is over on the other side watching him. He's the new one in charge. He's the new prophet of the Most High God. He comes to the Jordan. He takes the mantle of Elijah. He rolls it up. He strikes the water, and it divides, and he walks across. Five times God divided the water for man in the Old Testament. But never has anyone walked on the water until we hear about our gospel reading today. Jesus had fed the 5,000. He dismissed the disciples. He was going to go up and pray. The Word of God who knows everything knew that a storm was going to start to brewing. Just as we read in the psalm. He could have parted the waters for them, let them, let them walk on dry land through the Sea of Galilee to wherever their destination was. He could have made it easy for them. 
But he didn't. Because before, when God parted the waters to help man, it did not help them grow in the manner that he wanted them to grow. They needed something else. And so, in the fourth watch of the night, and if you've ever been on the waters at night, when the wind is howling and the seas are raging, as I've been out out in the Puget Sound when I was racing boats, and you're waist-deep in water trying to change head sails because you're trying to make the sail smaller because you're getting slammed and the boat's getting dragged, you're on the edge of going over, the heart is pounding, orders are being screamed, but these were seasoned fishermen too, and they were terrified. Jesus waited until that point that they were at the peak of their fear and anxiety. Not a minute before, God does only things perfectly. And so when the boat was getting hit pretty hard by strong headwinds, he comes to them. So now you add the terror of the storm and the wind and the seas and the boat probably starting to break a little bit under the stress. Add to that, you see something you've never seen before. A man walking to you on top of the water. Never even heard about it before. It would have been one thing to part the sea. Okay, well, we've got a reference point. It happened to our fathers before us. But not this time. And so they cry out in fear. And Jesus essentially says, get a hold of yourselves. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter, thinking he knows something, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out. So Peter, in his simple faith, gets out of the boat. Starts to come to Jesus. But he takes his eyes off of him because, Scripture says, he began to see how strong the winds were. And it was allowed himself to be overcome by fear to the extent that he began to sink and cry out. But our Lord was not far, and soon as he cried, his hand was already on him. They climbed back up into the boat, and immediately the winds and the seas calmed. The storms in life that that he gave these men were to strengthen them and to help them to grow. This is not the first time these seasoned fishermen have experienced a storm like this. Earlier, they were in a boat, and Jesus was asleep on a cushion. And again, they were in a violent storm, and these seasoned fishermen says, go to wake up Jesus, aren't you concerned, Master, that we're perishing? He stood up, he rebuked the winds and the seas, and instantly it calmed. And they began to say to one another, Who is this that even the wind and seas obey him? 
But this time, when he does it, when Peter gets back in the boat, they begin to worship and, and saying, truly, this is the Son of God. They needed the storm in their life and to see the fact that Christ was with them and had power over everything for them to grow in faith and understanding of who Jesus is. What he can do. You and I live in the boat of life on this earth, and we are tossed around more times than not by these great storms. From time to time, God will part the waters, and we kind of walk through our life with the storms happening to other people around us, but most of the time, we have to endure a lot of storms. And we get banged around a lot. But what he's trying to show us is as long as you keep your eyes on me, you're going to be okay. We are giving these readings and we come here Sunday after Sunday to grow in this faith. Jesus told the Pharisees, you know, if you don't believe what I say, at least believe in the works that I do. And so we heard in our uh, gospel reading this morning at Mountains at the very end, these things were written that you may have faith in him and have life. So now you have to ask yourselves, Do I have faith? Am I willing to put my trust in Him who calmed the seas and the wind? Am I willing to put my faith in the Holy Spirit who, inscribed, or to, who inspired these men to write their experiences down and through the power of the Holy Spirit it carried on through history down to us today? The storms that we're given to are allowing us opportunities to remain faithful, to remain steadfast in what we believe and what we profess and how we live our lives. So yes, the seas are going to go, the waves are going to go high as the heavens and they're going to crash down into the deeps. But it won't disturb us as long as we remain in the boat with our eyes on him. And even if we fall out of the boat, he's there to pick us up and bring us back in. And he will take us to our desired haven. So as we have done, we did last year, or seven months ago, remember when we did the... the made that renewed our, our baptismal vows. I asked all of you three times, have you, do you commit yourself to Christ? And three times you responded, yes, I have committed myself to Christ. Do you commit yourself to Him? Are you going to take what you've heard in the Scriptures what the fathers have handed down to us, 
as truth as the way of life we're called to, and trust in Him that no matter what your storm is, you're going to get through it. And when you get on the other side, it may not be anything what you expected or hoped for, but you will get on the other side. And if you keep your eyes on Him, then your faith will grow as did the apostles. Once we said, who is this that even the wind and seas obey? But as we remain steadfast and keep our eyes on Him, then we too will fall down and adore Him and say, truly, this is the Son of God.